This episode of the podcast is brought to you by From Within Records. Have you had a chance to go pick up the leftover merch of Cedar Pain and Envision? If not, I'm assuming you're not following From Within Records on social media and you need to fix that. Please go boot up your Twitter, your Instagram. Click that follow button to stay up to date on all the current news. January 2022, Year of the Knife, Shackled, Cruelty, Despise, my brothers from Scotland. They're touring, and it's so awesome for them to be able to string together some awesome dates, some leading up to FYA 8 and post FYA 8. It's insane. So if you're in the area, please do yourself a favor and don't miss that tour. It's a special group of bands doing something special, in my opinion. Also, Burning Strong. They have a new split out with a band called Qualifier. They have three new tracks on it. So do yourself a favor. Head over to the From Within Records Big Cartel. Go pick yourself up a tape. Go pick yourself up a 7-inch while supplies last. And like I always say, please support From Within Records because they support us. And before we get started, I just want to give a special shout out to my friends in Spaced from Buffalo, New York. They just put out, and it's titled Two New Joints, which uh, you know, literally two new songs uh, they just released. Uh, and they put it out through New Morality Zine. And I'm just so happy for them. I believed in the demo. I believe in these two new songs. I literally love everything that they've done. And I hope that they continue on this awesome trajectory, seeing their fan base grow um, over time from the demo up until now is amazing. Seeing them get out there and being able to play shows. I'm just so proud of all of them. And I'm just uh, just so happy watching from the sidelines. So please do yourself a favor. If you're not familiar with Spaced from Buffalo, go boot up your your Twitter, uh, excuse me, not Twitter, go boot up your title, your Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, whatever. Go listen to the demo. Listen to two new joints. Thank me later. They're the new wave. They're doing a lot of awesome stuff. And I, I, I'm seriously so proud of all of them. Uh, you can thank me later. You can thank them for writing such awesome music. Uh, but do yourself a favor and keep an eye on that band because they are doing a lot of great things. But on today's episode, it's uh, one that's a little close to my heart because I'm such a huge fan of the Wilkes-Bear scene. And it, it's just crazy how much my love for that scene has grown over the years because if you told me uh, back in the mid 2000s when my buddy showed me Cold World and was like hey this man's from Wilkes-Barre uh, checked him out I was like okay cool but I literally uh, didn't have the love for their scene back then as I do now but obviously that grew in time discovering bands like Tidal Fight uh, obviously the infamous Bad Seed but even like diving back into the older stuff I remember my uh, great friend Nate Prosciutti sent me this. I think it was like a, a Dropbox link or some sort of link. And it just had this crazy archive of um, a bunch of old music from Wilkes-Barre. So that's how I got to you know check out Frostbite. And it's just so cool to to um, to just get to know that scene uh, and just kind of dive into the history because uh, every scene has their their history. But for some reason, I've just fixated on this one. Uh, and with great reason, uh, just these bonds that I've built over the years through doing the podcast and obviously I, I just being a fan of the music and getting to know the people in the bands from that area. It's just so cool. And I feel so privileged to just kind of 
have this all come together in, in some weird way. And here's a crazy fact. And I, I don't like to speak on it too much because I'm not one of those uh, people who seek attention or who really want to uh, you know, celebrate my birthday month, my birthday week. I, I think that's all bullshit. But this is the first time in over a decade that I'm not going to be at Disneyland on my birthday because uh, since I've moved to Orange County for the past uh, 10 years, every birthday, it's just like, you know, people hit me up like, hey, what do you want to do for your birthday? What's going on for your birthday? And I'm just like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. If you care enough, just meet me at Disneyland on my birthday. We're at Disneyland and that's it. Uh, it, it seems special, but whatever. It, it's the norm for us out here. But this year, I will not be at Disneyland for the first time. I will be in Wilkes-Barre. And I didn't plan on it uh, happening this way. But with the One Step Closer record release uh, happening that weekend and just uh, having just that opportunity, I, I was like, OK, let's try something new. Let, let, let's switch it up. We, we did a decade at Disneyland. Let's try something new. Let's see how it goes. And and it's pretty funny because uh, before anybody even or before any of you were even hearing this, I, I haven't even told anybody in Wilkesboro that while I'm out there, my birthday is going to be happening. Uh, but. I'm just so happy to be there on my birthday. I'm I'm happy to be able to see my friends, uh, Nate Prosciutti, Matt Wren, all my friends in One Step Closer, uh, Feet First Productions, Dan uh, from Warren, and whoever else I'll see from Warren. Hopefully, I, I get to see everybody. Uh, Shane Moran. Hopefully, I, I get to see Vance. I I knew uh, a person that I met out there. Shout out Vance. I, I thought he was really funny, really awesome, good guy to get to know. And I'm just so happy to be able to be there on my birthday. All I want to do for anybody listening who's going to be there, all I want to do is go to Circles. Let's get a sandwich. Let's hang out in downtown Wilkes-Barre. And that's it. Nothing too crazy. But that's it. My birthday, Wilkes-Barre, should be cool. But on today's episode, we managed to track down David Foster, played in a band, uh, or excuse me, played in a band, uh, True Identity, Frostbite, Cold World, uh, blacklisted, Brace War, fills in for Down to Nothing. He, he's done a whole lot. Even talked about um, the band that he did when he was in LA for that short stint. But it was such a pleasure for me to be able to reach out and have somebody who had a direct hand in those early days of the Wilkes-Barre hardcore scene, played posse numbers, uh, you know, started these bands that still impact, or excuse me, that still impact that scene to this day. So for me to be able to have another person from that generation of Wilkesboro Hardcore on uh, definitely meant a lot to me. Foster was a great person to talk to. I'm so uh, inspired by the things that he's done with his own business, what he's done for hardcore, and what he continues to do for hardcore. It's just uh, so awesome, and it was such a pleasure for me to to speak with him. So please strap in, enjoy this conversation. Without further ado, welcome David Foster to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Foster. How's it going? Good, Jamie. How are you, man? I'm doing great. I'm happy to uh, have you on the podcast. I, I've 
just been a big fan of uh, Wilkesbury, uh, you know, just growing up over the years in hardcore. And it's funny because I always have to uh, g- give credit to um, one of my friends uh, back in the day. Uh, he was a huge Cold World fan. And that's the first time I ever heard about, uh, you know, Wilkesbury. And like from then, I've always been interested because, uh, uh, you know, just over the years, so many, uh, you know, great bands have come from that area. And, and it's always uh, interesting when, uh, you know, there's like this one scene that produces so many great bands, especially one that's not, uh, you know, like like a coastal scene, one of the more popular ones. So it, it's always uh, you know fascinating to me. So it, it, I'm I'm really stoked to be able to talk to somebody who has had a, a big part in you know a kind of cultivating that whole area. Yeah, man, it is a weird place. Um, I mean, growing up uh, as I got into like punk and then eventually hardcore, um, the more I caught I you know, learned and understood like how significant that region um, was uh, to like to hardcore, to punk, to underground music in general, the more I kind of started to like think like, wow, this is crazy that this exists here. Like if you lived there or if you were from that area, it doesn't make sense. Like the bands that come from that area, how successful, how good they are. It really doesn't make sense. Like there's, um, like from a geographical standpoint, you know, you could kind of put some things together because it's kind of like right between like Philadelphia, New York, you're a few hours away from Boston. Um, but if you were actually physically there, if you lived there, you would be like, how is a band like, you know, title fight coming out of Wilkes-Barre or how is a band like Cold World or, um, you know, even that region like Tiger's Jaw or like the Menzingers or, I mean, the list goes on and on and it's just like this weird anomaly. It's like a, it's like a pocket of like creativity and production. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's fucking nothing to do there. Mm-hmm. So you have people that kind of like pulled together and kind of were into the same shit. And it, I mean, there, there's literally nothing to do except um, like if you were into like what, like when I was in high school, if you were into like sports, it was like, go get fucking wasted and go to the football games and eventually knock up your girlfriend or your partner and then just, you know, get a job and raise kids early. If you weren't into sports, the other route was like drugs or the other route was like punk rock and skateboarding, you know, which was a very small sector. The Mm -hmm. majority was like the drugs and sports. The small sector was like um, alternative music and like straight edge and hardcore and skateboarding and stuff like that. So it's a weird thing. It's crazy. Yeah, I actually went there for the first time last month uh, for uh, the uh, SWB Volume 2. It was was a fest put on by Nate Prosciutti. And like, obviously, I traveled there for the fest. So I'm like, okay, cool. Like, um, this is why I'm here. But I'm like looking around and, you know, we're we're traveling through all the different little cities. And I'm just like, wow, like nobody has any idea like that this thing's going on. But I was just trying to figure out, like, how does this like get produced here when I I look around? And yeah, if I would have, you know, been dropped there, that's like probably like one of the last things I would have guessed would be going on in an area like that because it just didn't seem like it would have like a, a, you know, this thriving music scene. No, it's crazy. And if you actually, and I mean, if you're like a Wilkes-Barre historian, at least with punk and hardcore and underground music, you could date fests happening in Wilkes-Barre back to the 90s. I mean, there was a fest called Wilkes-Barre Fest um, that had bands like Hot Water Music play. And then um, there were uh, the following, the fest that came after that, which really laid like the groundwork for what I believe is the modern hardcore fest in America 
was Posse Numbers Fest, mm-hmm. which started in in the late '90s, uh, like '98, '99, or something like that. So, and it was so funny because like those weekends when the like when Posse Numbers would happen, like so you went to uh, Nate's Fest SWB, you know, and you're from California, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is so sick. Okay, so Posse Numbers would happen, and this is pre-internet. You know, there's no social media, there's no Facebook, there's no like social networking. So like if I knew someone in California, it was because I literally just met them in person. I didn't know anyone else, you know, mm-hmm. but posi numbers would happen in late spring, or early summer. And there'd be people from all over the world that would come to Wilkes-Barre and it would be, you would, you could see them. They were so easy to spot. You were like, Oh, there's a hardcore guy. He has a AN shirt on her. Oh, there's a hardcore dude. He's got a bar- straight edge varsity jacket. He's from New Hampshire or like, oh, those, there's the band Carry On from California. It was like so specific. You could pick people out because they stood out so dramatically. And it was just this thing that happened. It was like, yeah, everyone is going to converge onto this tiny little pocket in northeastern Pennsylvania for this humongous scene that ended up being like, you know, monumental in, in what modern hardcore is today. And I always uh, am so bummed that I existed, uh, you know, in those days of posi numbers, but was never able to attend because I, I was like oh, uh, yeah. too young. And there's no way back then that my parents would have let me, you know, have flown across the country. And I, I didn't even know anybody either because I'm like, uh, you know, getting into hardcore in like the early 2000s. So I'm just yeah. watching those videos online. It's just like, holy shit. Like, I, I was always mind blown because, yeah, because you mentioned no social media back then. And it's just crazy how. Uh, there were there were so many people that would travel to that because it's just like there's I feel like there's just so much risk involved right it's like okay like this sounds cool like uh, how does anybody know if it's actually going to be good the cool thing back then was like so the, the the dude that created it was like a mentor and a good friend to all of us his name was Bob Mack and mm-hmm. you know Bob was one of the first people that I met as a young punk kid who was really into like pop punk and and like Epitaph and Fat Records and stuff but I met him as like a 15 year old kid who was looking for people to identify with. Mm-hmm. And Bob was like this older, more established, like hardcore dude. Like he had a big letterman jacket on. Everyone knew Bob. He was, he was really popular, but he was willing to take in people that, you know, were new. Um, and he was welcoming. And Bob was the, Bob was the the purpose and the reason behind Posse Numbers. And uh, he was a big part of why Wilkes-Barre was such a popular scene around that time. It was a big part of why bands like made sure to come there on tour because he made sure that like the scene was a real like, you know, bleeding, pumping thing. Um, So Bob was responsible for it all. And, you know, it was just uh, like going back then, like, thinking about like listening to bands demo tapes in a basement of our friend's house to be like, Hey, should we have this band play positive numbers this year? Like, what do you think about this band? Like it was just so organic, you know? And like, so what would happen is like a band would come and play Wilkes-Barre and all of us would show out for it. All these kids, everyone from that whole region and including Philadelphia, Philadelphia people would come up and travel. So then those bands would be like, yo, we got to go back to Wilkes-Barre. Wilkes-Barre was so much fun. Like that, the venue was awesome. Those kids were great. The pizza was fire. Like Bob Mack was the dude. Dan Mills is the dude. Nick Woj is the dude. And it was just, that's how it grew. And then once Posse Numbers came, it's like, hey, we're going to do this fest. We got this ill venue. And the next thing you know, it's like, yeah, you got 
bands playing from all over the world and it was like a must travel to destination on the east coast it was just amazing and if, if you go back and watch uh you know videos from any of that fest i i feel like you can see a, a different level of like intensity when it comes to uh the, the the people who are attending the fest i feel just like uh they're making their time there like worth it right they, they didn't just like show up just to you know come see a band it's like they wanted to, to participate they wanted to go off and it, it just always seemed like really crazy to me when i watch those old videos yeah it was definitely um very uh purposeful like i think um nowadays you know and, and i i witnessed this firsthand as somebody who's a part of united blood like i think a lot of people use um, not use but make um those weekends or those events more about kind of socializing and just kind of being there and mm -hmm. seeing people and whatnot but posi numbers was like yo integrity is playing like we have to go or like oh my god like Chromags with Harley and JJ are going like we're going, we're rolling deep and we're, we're driving 25 hours straight to get there. And when they play, we're going off and then we're going to go sleep in our cars and drive back to the middle of the country. Like that's kind of what was happening then, which was really cool. And there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with like what's happening more modernly. Like when, when I say like, you know, say well, like United blood where people kind of use it as a vet to like socialize and get together and hang out. Like there's nothing wrong with that. It's just different. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And and I've always bugged my friends, um, you know, who who are, are still there. I'm um, in the uh, you know SWB. I'm, I'm always curious, like, hey, like, whatever happened to the guy that put on Posi numbers? And I was yeah. always told, oh, you know, I'm he's still around. He he just owns a head shop now. And I was like, okay, cool. And um, you know, by chance, I, I didn't uh, have it on my like list of things to do when I was in uh, Wilkesbury uh, when I was there last month. But uh, just by circumstance. Um, we actually ended up going to, uh, you know, Bob Mac's shop and I met him and, and, and talked to him. And I was mm -hmm. actually uh, surprised at, uh, at how nice he was. Cause like, cause I, I didn't know what to expect. Right. Just, I, I just pictured like an old jaded dude for some reason, but I'm talking, yeah. uh, but talking to him in the shop, he, he was uh, super chill. And then even, uh, like I, I can't, I can't remember if it was the same night or maybe, um, it was like the next night, but we actually, uh, like hung out and I was like, okay, this is, this is cool. Like it's, it's kind of, I just was very interested to hear him speak about like those old days. Cause I, I was just so fascinated by it. Cause I'm like, okay, this is a guy that had a big hand in putting this all together. Yeah. Yeah. No, Bob, um, I'm still good. No, I don't want to say good friends with Bob. Like if I, if I saw Bob somewhere, like I'd give him a, a big hug. And mm -hmm. like I said, like he was a very important person in my life in a very important time. Like shit, you know, thinking about, you know, you how impressionable you are when you're like 15 through 20, 19 even. And, you know, Bob was very important to a lot of people and uh, yeah, Bob's a great guy. You know what I mean? And, and he was so involved in punk and hardcore for so long that like, it makes sense when somebody just kind of like, okay, I, I, I've like kind of tapped out a little bit here, you yeah. know? Um, and, you know, Bob has a family and he's, he's a person, you know, it's like, he's, he's just moved on to other, other things, but he's still a great guy, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I'm curious about uh, someone like you who was, uh, you know, uh, involved in some, you know, bands that helped shape that area. Was it hard for you to to, to move away? Uh, just because, like, I felt like, uh, you know, what you and your friends did with bands like, uh, you know, Frost by Cold World, uh, I felt like were very important. Yeah, I mean, truth be told, um, how it worked mostly was uh, there was like a pretty large exodus from Wilkes-Barre with my friend group because we were all around that age where people went to college. Okay. So, you know, a little bit of background on like how a band like Frostbite started. Um, 
So prior to Frostbite, there was a band that we all played in while we were in high school called True Identity. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard that or yeah. heard of that, but it's kind of more like it sounds like around the time it came out. Like it sounds like Bane and American Nightmare and like horror show. Um, but, you know, we were a pretty active band. And then, you know, people started getting uh, like accepted to college and moving out of Wilkes-Barre. Um, and a good amount of our friends moved to Philadelphia, actually, and moved to Temple to go to college or St. Joseph's or just moved to Philadelphia in general. And for like Frostbite specifically, like Frostbite literally started because like every one of our friends moved except like two or three of us. And we were just so bored. And Ryan, who um, ended up being the singer in Frostbite, he had just been writing songs and we we're just like, let's just do this band because we have literally nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Frostbite happened that way. Um, and Cold World was kind of born out of like the ashes of that. And, um, you know, at that time, like not that many people were actually like living in Wilkes-Barre. Like, like when Cold World started, uh, Dan, the singer, and myself, we were both living in Wilkes-Barre. He lived in Wilkes-Barre and I lived in Nanticoke. And Alex and Nick lived in Philadelphia. So when we practiced or wrote anything, like Dan and I would drive down to Philadelphia and practice and then drive home. So I never really really felt like, you know, oh my God, like what am I leaving behind or anything like that? Because most truthfully, like most of my friends had left already. You know, like in fact, if anything, like even Ryan from the dude that was in frostbite, like he moved to Philadelphia. We actually lived together at one point in Philadelphia. Um, We just were kind of like, yeah, we got to get out of here. Like it's a great place. And like, there's a lot of great things about it, but like, it's, it's a dark place too, man. And it's like that area um, is like, it's still like a lot of backwards thinking, a lot of backwards mentality. And it's, you know, when you're at that age and you're trying to grow as a person, it's really hard to grow if you don't kind of get out and experience something different. For sure. Because you could get stuck in that, uh, you know, whatever the local mindset is and not really get to see the world and see that things are actually different in other places. Definitely. Yeah. That was a big part of it. I mean, Philadelphia is only two hours away, but it might as well have been like a, like a cultural, like, like a fucking full blown culture shock. You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. just like, you know, you, you, you know what you know from living in the mountains in, in northeastern Pennsylvania. And then you go into like the city and you see all these different neighborhoods with different cultures. And then you see like and experience different places and different people. And you're just like, holy shit, I don't know anything. And it's just culture shock. So, I, I mean, I'm glad I did it for sure. You know, and I'm, I'd say most of my friends that moved out um, and whether they moved back or whether they didn't, but they're, they're probably glad that they did. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Uh, it, but it's cool when I was at that fest to see that, uh, you know, obviously uh, even some of the younger kids still, um, you know, paying homage to the, the things that you did because there was a band, uh, Last Straw. They're from Connecticut, but one of the members, Ryan, he's from the Wilkes-Barre area. They actually did a Frostbite cover and to see... Yeah. Uh, just to see like um you know th- them uh, want to do that and to see like younger kids moshing and then even some of my older friends from the area go nuts I was like okay this is cool that uh, that they still respect what came before them and uh, you know don't want to let it die and kind of just like you know uh, to do this cover and to see people actually be into it it was just a cool thing to see yeah man it always kind of like blows my mind when so like somebody else tell me like yo this band did a frostbite cover and I'm just like that's crazy but it's 
it's fun. Like it's cool. I'm, I'm glad. And I, I appreciate that people respect that. Like that was a really fun time in our lives. Like I was in frostbite when I was a senior in high school, maybe a junior even at one point. Mm-hmm. So like even back then, I mean, um, when frostbite, you know, like was able to go and play out of town and stuff, it was a really big deal, obviously, cause I was in high school, yeah. but like, you know, we would come down and play shows in Richmond and, I made some like lifelong friends from that, you know, like I live in Richmond now essentially because of coming here at some point when I was in high school, you know? So it's, uh, I'm grateful for like what, you know, playing in that band and the bands that thereafter did for, for my life. And, you know, I'm appreciative that people still like fuck with it and listen to it and like it, like, that's cool. You know, I think it's cool. And you mentioned living in Richmond now, was that, always uh like the destination because obviously you 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 moved to philly uh did you know that you wanted to to end up in richmond no not really i mean i what it what it really boiled down to was um like i said a lot of my friends that lived in in the wilkes-barre area kind of moved out to philadelphia um or uh, other places even like one of my best friends moved up to boston at one point um and Dan and I, uh, from cold world, Dan, the singer, we were spending a lot of time in Richmond because we became friends with like the guys from down to nothing and murder weapon, um, cast aside. And they're just a bunch of dudes that were just like me and Dan, you know what I mean? We're like, um, we, we just got along really well. Um, we were all kind of like into the same shit. We had the same like sense of humor. We like to get into the same kind of trouble. So, um, I just became really good friends with a lot of the, um, the people in Richmond. And so when it kind of came time for me to re, uh, relocate, Richmond just became a destination that made sense for me. Okay. Hell yeah. Well, that's awesome that you're able to kind of uh, navigate and uh, have these strong relationships uh, wherever you go. So you don't really have to start fresh. Right. Cause I, I know moving somewhere new with no friends, that, that's like way harder than having at least, uh, you know, some network of people that, you know, yeah, actually, what where in uh, California do you live? I, I live in Anaheim in Orange County. Okay, so like between living in Richmond, living in Philadelphia, and living in Wilkes-Barre, I lived in I lived in the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles for like a year, oh, um, wow. which was really really strange, but it was cool. It was cool to like have friends out there. Like I made friends with like some of the hardcore dudes and mm-hmm. was in a band and went to shows and shit, chain reaction all the time and stuff like that. So. Yeah, it was a time. <laughs> oh, oh, just just one year. I, I, what prompted you to to move out to LA? I was in a relationship actually at the time, uh, so this would have been right around the time of like Posse Numbers two thousand and five. Oh wow! Um, I was in a, I was I was so I was twenty one years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in a relationship with uh, with a girl that lived in um, Granada Hills, and you know it was just a young dude. And she was young and she was like, move out here, move with me. And I had, I had like nothing to lose, you know, like I I didn't, I didn't own anything. I didn't have anything to my name. And um, yeah, I moved out and lived there for, for a year and it was great. I mean, I got to meet a lot of great people, went to the first Sound and Fury. um, And then from there I moved to Richmond actually. Okay. Dang. First Sound and Fury. Those days were crazy. Yeah. That would have been like, uh, like, oh, what was the big, a couple of the big sets from them? Like Have Heart, uh, DTN, um, I guess Guns Up was the first Sound of Fury. Yeah. Excuse me. So yeah, yeah, that shit was fun. 
That's wild. And uh, well, I, I'm just curious, well, when you moved to uh, you know, Los Angeles, uh, did you even uh, have any thought of wanting to play music or did it just happen uh, just because you were out here? Yeah, I did. I wanted to play. Um, I, at that time, I'm, you know, bouncing around here, but at that time, like I had just played in um, Blacklisted for like a, a good while. Mm -hmm. um, what had been playing in Cold World as well. I also played in Strength for a Reason that year for a bit of time. So I was like doing all kinds of music. And um, I moved out to California. I was definitely like burnt out on, on music and touring and playing bass for sure. And then um, I was friends with like, some of the guys that were in internal affairs mm -hmm. and um, like snake eyes and uh, oh, Donnie Brooke and um, shit like just that, like crew of guys. And um, we started a band. Um, it was me and um, Dennis from internal affairs, Kevin from internal affairs, Sean from internal affairs and Nick, who I think played in Donnie Brooke at some point. And we did like a, little demo it was fun it was nothing crazy nothing right home about it's a band called virtue um but uh but yeah that was it and then i left uh sound of fury and um happened and all of my friends from the east coast were on the west coast and i just got super homesick and then i was like i gotta move and then i moved to richmond so okay hell yeah and you've been there ever since pretty much okay um i moved i moved there in like the spring or no in the in 2006 like whenever in the fall i guess mm -hmm. and then um through the next couple of years like bouts of touring with different bands playing in different bands stuff like that uh for the most part i lived in richmond there was one year that i actually did move back to wilkes-barre um which would have been like 2009 and that's when um we did this band called gypsy okay. uh, while i lived up there mm -hmm. and then I, I actually moved back to richmond in 2010 so okay for sure mostly been here for about 15 years and uh real quick uh, you mentioned uh, that you played in blacklisted I, I always speak about this uh tour that came through where i used to live because i didn't grow up in orange county i used to live in the uh, palm springs area and then i eventually moved um, to orange county but back then um and i, I don't know why I, I thought it was like 2004 but i guess it was 2005 um, um my buddy steve kibble booked this tour and, and i argue that it's the greatest hardcore show to ever hit the coachella valley it was uh the blacklisted cast aside down to nothing tour were you on that one yeah <laughs> dude that 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 tour was called um everywhere but the electric chair because it was a seven week long u.s tour so we played everywhere actually we did that tour and that's when i went home and i got evicted from my apartment and then i moved to california <laughs> oh wow that's crazy but yeah i yeah i definitely played in um i played bass and blacklisted on that tour yeah because I, I i looked up the the dates um I, and I, I forget what website i was at but it, it said that the, the date was supposed to be in palm springs but it, I, for sure it happened in indio at, at this place it was like this pizza place and like the the outside was this building that uh looked like a castle but then you went inside and the show was on the second floor and uh, we had some crazy shows in there but like like just that one tour was like like probably the, like in my opinion the best thing to ever hit that area because like we got some stuff here and there it was hard to get bands to want to stop um you know yeah. and play our city because it, uh, we didn't have a thriving scene that there were like a couple of bands active at the time um uh -huh. but uh but if bands had an off day in between arizona and wanting to get to la or orange county they were like oh cool if there's a you know if, if it made sense uh, some bands would stop but most of the time uh, bands didn't want to uh, you know stop and play because there wasn't much going on out there but the few bands that did like we were always grateful for I, f I like vaguely remember that and I don't know why, but I, I kind of do. And I'm sure if I could like 
take like some more like cues from like what that show, what happened at that show, I probably could put it together and remember it. Cause there was like a couple shows I remember on that tour. I mean, we played some bad shows on that tour, like mm-hmm. ones where we were like playing in a parking lot in front of a dumpster to like six people, Jeez. like that kind of show. Okay. Um, but, but I, and I remember that very vividly actually, <laughs> but like, but there was a couple shows that I remember being in like towns that I had never heard of before. And mm. that, that would definitely be one of them. And I remember them like being like surprisingly fun or surprisingly really good. Um, and I like part of me kind of remembers that when you said the pizza shop thing, that kind of like tipped me off. But um, no, that's cool. So you were there at that show. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, I, I, was, I was a young kid. That's awesome. Yeah. 2005. I had to been like 16 or 17 at that time. Yeah. Okay, so you're just a couple of years younger than me now. So you're like in your mid thirties. Uh, I'm like thirty three. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So yeah, I'm thirty seven. So that that makes sense. That that all checks out. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was a long tour, man. Holy shit! Like considering like, um, that tour around that time was like when you know we didn't have um, yeah, there was no social media. There was no um we had like printed out directions from every show to every show. Like that's how long ago it was, you know, like we had like map quested, like a a folder of like, okay, how to from Indio to Los Angeles, like get on route five or what I, you know, like thinking about touring like that back then is fucking nuts to me. And it's funny because like some of the people that were on that tour, uh, what, how many years ago that was 16 years ago, like some of them are still my, best friends like jared from down to nothing who was on that whole tour like i i've hung out with him every day this week so mm-hmm. it's pretty cool cool to think about that you know yeah and, and i to, to hear that it was a seven week tour and uh, these days I, that's not too common for a band to do i, I feel like bands like to keep it uh, short and sweet or do more regional stuff so to hear that yeah. you guys were on the road for that long that, that, that's just crazy to think about well that around that time like in the 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 mid 2000s like 2003 to 2006 and 7 like that's what you had to do to be a relevant hardcore band like you had to tour you had to always tour because otherwise like there was no streaming service like spotify where people could just like plug you and find you on that like you had to literally put cds in people's hands for people to know who you were Mm -hmm. um and you know like so you know, a lot of hardcore bands that were trying to like make it or like be a full-time band. Um, they, they were following like in the footsteps of what like hate breed did or what like terror did, which is just fucking tour all the time because that's how you gain success. Whereas like now you could arguably put out a seven inch, and fly to the West coast and play like three shows and, and do really fucking good and be like, all right, cool. Like we might do that again next year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it was just, it was just a different time and a place. Like you, if you wanted relevancy and you wanted to stay like in the fucking mix, you, you had to do that. Bands just did that. I have a t-shirt like a down to nothing t-shirt from around that time. It's, just, it's like conquer the world and it's tour dates. And it's literally like three columns long. And it's probably like, 80 or something shows that they played in like a like a four month span (laughs) like Mm -hmm. that's just that's just kind of what you did yeah there's there's 
there's a couple of bands that, that I've seen, uh, you know, uh, last year, or not, excuse me, not last year, like, tw- like 2019 and even parts of this year, um, you know, doing uh, the, the the full U.S., but nothing to th- that extent, right? Not, uh, you know, multiple months out on the road because. Yeah, that that was tr- truthfully, it was just foolish. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it financially, that wouldn't even make sense now to be out on the road for that long. The cost of doing it would be too much, but I mean. You know, we were sleeping on people's floors and stuff and like, you know, sleeping in venues and getting whatever we could, peanut butter and jelly from gas stations for dinner and stuff. So just a different time. Yeah, it's it's, it's a little fascinating for me, too, because um, now that I'm, I'm a little bit older, um, I've just started to travel more for shows because like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would go to as much as I could uh, out here in Southern California because uh, you know, there's like you know a bunch of different scenes all packed into one. But um, even more recently, like seeing my friends in a one step closer in California and then flying to Pensacola and then uh, seeing them there and be like, holy shit, like you guys have been doing this since the last time I seen you. But like I just went back to my life. I have, you know, recording podcasts. I went to work. I went to Disneyland. But you guys have been on the road this whole entire time. This is fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's it, a grind, man. It's a grind. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's definitely a trip, but but it's cool uh, that some bands are able to, to to still make it work, and you know they, they still have the love for it, and uh, you know they're able to to tour because you know some bands can't even do that, even though sure. they, ha- they have like the the internet popularity or whatever. But it's just some bands. Uh, there's no way they could uh, you know put together a, a, a string of dates to do a tour because it just uh, you know wouldn't work out for them that well. Right. Yeah. No. It's it's not easy logistically, family and like life work stuff like that mm-hmm. uh and for you uh, these days uh, uh a little bit older I, I know you have your your business uh you know uh you're you're married uh have yeah. you have you thought about um starting uh, like a, a new band or wanting to do music but just keeping it uh you know uh regionally um yeah i mean uh you know it's funny like um i think over the past two years I'm not alone in the sentiment of being like, wow, like I can't believe that I've gone, you know, with the pandemic gone this long without seeing a band or, you know, going to a concert. And then for me, it was like, Oh my God, I can't believe I've gone this long without playing music. Um, Cause I kind of like stopped playing um, for a couple of years. And then like I started filling in and playing with brace war a little bit and traveling around a bit. Um, and then I just, and, and then I filled in for down to nothing on a few tours that, uh, Jared was on, you know, not able to do. Um, and I go back and forth, like it's something that I've done or been, a, it's been around my life since I was a kid, you know, since I was 14, I've mm-hmm. always like played music to some degree, you know? Um, and now, you know, I've got, you know, my business, like you said, like I'm married, we have, you know, I don't have a family, but you know, we have a household here and, um, I don't know. I, I definitely like think about playing again and, and like doing something, but then I also like, I don't want to be like a washed up dude trying to do some shit that kids do. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a fun, it's a funny balance. Cause like, I don't know. I don't even know what I would want to play. Like, uh, I'm not sure, you know? Um, but I think if the, if the right circumstances came along, um, and the right like genre came along, um, an opportunity to like put some stuff together, I, I probably would. Yeah. Okay, for sure. I, I was just curious about that because, uh, like you said, for somebody who's been doing music for so long, I I, I, I couldn't imagine how something like that could just uh, you know become uninteresting to someone like you. 
Yeah, no, it's definitely not uninteresting. It's just, it's just like kind of took a backseat for a while and we'll see if it ever creeps its way back up to the, to the driver's seat. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. I, I want to put a pause on the music talk. I want to ask you about your business. Cause I was, uh, doing a, a deep dive on your Instagram and to see <laughs> I'm talking about like, uh, you know, I, I was just kind of, I kept scrolling and I was just like, man, like, yeah. uh, like he's actually been in, down for this for so long. Cause I, I was like looking at, uh, like I saw this, like this notepad screenshot that you'd posted on your Instagram talking about how you had uh, quit your job from, was, I think it was like a, like a cell phone spot and you were just going to be yeah. uh, cutting hair. I'm like, holy shit, this goes like way back. Cause like, I, I didn't know like the origins of, um, you know, uh, where you started with, uh, you know, uh, doing hair. So to, to go yeah. that far back and to see like all these old pictures, but to kind of, um, already know like where you're at, like present day, I was like, dude, this is so awesome to see how dedicated you were back then not knowing if it was going to work out or not because i'm like i was looking at posts and people saying good luck and stuff and i was like oh shit this yeah. is this is crazy and cool that that, that it, it's worked out so far for you but I, i'm yeah, just curious if you, you can uh, go back to uh like those very early days was this something that you could um, have ever imagined that you've gotten this far with uh, the business no absolutely not um not even close like never in my wildest dreams did i think that um that what I wanted to do uh, 10 years ago would be what it is today. Um, I actually started like my, my trajectory towards like, you know, this, this business actually in a barbershop in Wilkes-Barre um, in downtown Wilkes-Barre called, um, Oh God, dude, Angelo and sons. No, it's not Angelo's. I'm like blanking on the names. It's like something in sons. Anyways. It was a spot that I used to go to that was recommended to me by Adam Rifkin, who played in um, Stick Together and Bad Seed. Mm -hmm. And it was what it was the year that I moved back to Wilkes-Barre. And I was like, yo, I need to go to a barber. I need to find a barber. And Rifkin was like, yo, you got to go to my guy. God, I'm blanking on the name. I can't believe it. Anyways, it's a it's a very popular downtown Wilkes-Barre barbershop. Old school, like third, three generation Italian. And um, while I was working for my family, I would go there, get haircuts, and I just loved it. And, that, and like the vibe was awesome. And I was just like looking around and looking at all the people in the shop. And I was like, dude, I could do this. Like, this is awesome. Like, how fun is this? Like, you come to work every day, you bust chops with the people around you, you get to see people you like, you get to make people feel good about themselves. Like, what a cool career, you know? And uh, it wasn't even the hair that I was interested in. I didn't really like, I didn't look at the hair and be like, damn, like, wow, how's he scientifically doing that technique? Like, I didn't even think about that. I was just thinking about like the vibe, you know, like the mm -hmm. shop smell. And when you walk in the door and you're greeted by the regulars and you see the dude and they're doing the thing, it's just like this whole thing. And uh, so that kind of started me on the path of thinking that that was something that I wanted to do. And uh, like, like we talked about before, like I had spent years upon years, like, doing the touring thing with bands and then picking up jobs on the side. I never really had like a purpose when it came to work. It was just like, how can I make my bills? You know, how can I make enough money to like pay my rent? I never knew what I like wanted to be or what I wanted to do. And then I, I kind of like felt like I could do that from, from going there. And then it took a couple of years for me to actually get into like the system of, you know, like making it a career. Um, just because it's, it's not an easy career to get into at that time, like in, in like 2010, 2011. Um, but, you know, eventually I found my way in, into um, a situation in Richmond when I moved back down here where I had people that were willing to like show me the basics of what cutting hair was like. And then I had a barber 
who owned a business who was willing to apprentice me and take me on as somebody that had no experience. And uh, I had a friend who was willing to like, listen to my idea for a business plan and say, you know what? Like, I think that would work. Like I got your back, let's do it together. So, and, and, you know, looking back on all that, I wouldn't have been able to do it without the support of my friends and the support of people around me. My, my wife now who at the time was just my girlfriend um, and people kind of cheering me on and rooting for me and stuff like that. And then, you know, you know, luckily enough, like you just end up meeting the right people sometimes. And that's kind of how it worked out for me. I just, the right people kind of circled around me and said, Hey, I think that's a fucking great idea. Hey, we should do this together. Hey, let's build a fucking barbershop. Like, and it just, it kind of springboarded from there. So, and you know, I'm, you know, I, f- I feel like I'm a very lucky person when it comes to that. Um, because I've always in my life just ended up being around people that were good people that like wanted to see good things happen for you. Um, so I'm grateful for that. And um, I hope I've been able to like give that energy to some other people too. I don't know. I hope I have. Yeah. When I like think back and when I'm looking at those earlier posts, uh, you know, th- that you have on your Instagram, like, you know, people can go check it out. And, and like, you know, you doing your uh, self promotion, like saying like, Hey, like, I, I want to cut everyone's hair, like, you know, come to me. And just just to uh, uh, yeah, it's just cool to be able to see uh, it work out for you so far. And to to, to have that dedication, because I'm sure that there had to been some dark moments where you wanted to give up uh because oh yeah yeah because I'm, I'm sure yeah because it's, 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 it's not easy and uh, yeah. I, I i just think it's inspiring for for um, for anybody it's like hey like if, if you're really dedicated and you you know put your mind to it and obviously um you gotta like work at it like you can make things happen and i, I feel you're a, a prime example of that because like i said people can go look at those early instagram posts from when you're first starting and then you fast forward to now uh you have like three locations yeah we just opened our third location mm-hmm. last month Actually, not even last month, like three weeks ago, but oh, wow. okay. we've got, we've got like, uh, I want to say we got like 26 or 27 people on staff. Um, a majority of which have been able to come into the shop with no experience, mm-hmm. just like, just like I was 10 years ago and actually apprentice and learn the trade and, and have a career that they, they were able to, to gain from, from high point. So I, you know, I take extreme I'm very proud of that. Um, probably more proud of that than anything else that I've done because, you know, like one of my best friends in the world, Rashad, um, was somebody who I've known since he was on that, he was on that cast aside down to nothing tour too. He played drums mm-hmm. and cast aside on that tour, but, you know, being able to watch him grow, um, you know, him say, you know, seven years ago, Hey, I think I want to be a barber too, when I'm you know done touring. Um, now to see him, you know, I work, two stations away from him and he has loyal clientele and he has, um, you know, he's incredibly talented and he has this drive to help others get better. And I get to see that happen. And I'm just so proud of that. And I'm so like happy that I've been able to be involved in that growth for people. Um, and for myself too, actually it's, it's, a, you know, it's a cool thing for sure. And I appreciate the kind things that you've said about me too. And that, uh, that's, appreciate it 
And I, I'm, I'm just curious, the third location just opened up and do you have like a, a, this grand vision on where you want to go with the business or are you just kind of taking it like one step at a time? Because I, I think it's cool that, uh, you know, uh, for for you to, to, to have this business and then even to survive through the pandemic, because I, I, I know it was hard for, for a lot of people. So so for you to be able to have made it through and, uh, you know, open up this third location, uh, do you have like, like, like I was asking, like this big, you know, grand vision for where you want to go with it or? Is it just uh, one step at a time? It's a little bit of a one step at a time thing. I mean, um, we were able to knock a couple big things um, off the list this year, you know, by the fucking grace of God. Um, getting the third location up was a huge one for us. Um, and in that location, we actually were able to bring our first employee on as a partner in that location. So it's he he's like a co-owner of that location, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um he was actually one of the first people, he was actually one of my regular clients when I first started cutting hair who approached me and said, hey, I, w- I think I want to learn how to cut hair. So to see him now be a part owner in you know that shop that's a part of our business is really fucking cool. Um, but we were able to get that shop open and we also launched our own product line this year too. Um, it's small right now. We only have a few things. You know, we have like you know, a couple items, but it's, it's ours. It has our name on it. You know, we're, we're going to launch the web store like in the next like 72 hours. So we'll be able to sell it online. That's been something I've wanted to do for years, uh, create our own products for people. Um, so yeah, we're a little bit one step at a time. I mean, we, we have some thoughts and some goals in mind with what the future holds. You know I mean? I, I think we, we would like to do a few more barbershops, um, I don't have like a goal of saying like, we want to be nationwide, you know, by 2030 or something. I, I think we're just trying to do what feels right and keep it as organic as possible. And, and just make sure that like um, we're doing right by, you know, our employees, we're doing right by ourselves. You know, we're trying to keep, um, keep true to like what's given us our success thus far, which is just being good people you know, mm-hmm. um, not, not being greedy, looking out for our, uh, our clients, looking out for the community and, you know, taking opportunities as they come from an organic standpoint. And I, I was just on the website earlier today and I had no idea that you're um, launching your own uh, product line, but I, I'm curious, uh, uh, what do you have available, uh, now since you mentioned the line was, uh, you know, just a couple items. Yeah. So we have, uh, well, we have this, what we call a face tonic, which is like a toner that you can spray on your face. It's witch hazel aloe. Um, it's got a citrus and spearmint blend. But when you get a straight razor shave on the back of your neck, typically you get like a, a spritz of alcohol on the back of your neck. Well, we, we use that um, on the back of people's necks to just keep people from breaking out. It's a nice little refreshing feel. It's a memorable scent. It's, it's custom to us. Um, so we, we create that so people could use it at home too when they want to you know, spritz after, you know, maybe a workout or after a shave, or if they get really bad bumps from shaving and stuff like that's really good, um, skin product for you. And then we also made a, um, a hair and, uh, facial hair oil. Uh, so that's like a hydrating product that is, uh, for any gender, like my wife uses it. Many, many women and men use it. It could be used in their hair, it could be used on your beard. It's just a nice, all natural hydrating product. Um, and then we have a few home good items as well. So we have a barbershop scented candle. Oh, we have a barbershop. Yeah. yeah, it's good. It's mm. nice. Okay. Uh, we have a barbershop scented room spray. So you could use that in like your bathroom or where your pets sleep or wherever. 
And then we have a little uh, car freshener. So it's a little hang tag and it smells like a barber shop. Okay. I, I'm definitely interested in that. I, I love candles. So, so. I, oh, I, you I, would like this one. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious. Okay. Wait, okay. So uh, 72 hours, will the candle be online? The candle will be online. Yeah. Yeah. The candle will be online. All that stuff is made in Richmond too. And all of it is actually um, like packaged, sourced, bottled, everything in Richmond by a hardcore kid, which is sick. He owns a company called Square Trade Goods. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my homie, Alan, who played guitar in Down to Nothing. Uh, Square Square Trade Goods is an incredibly successful company, and they specialize in like scent-based home goods, so like uh, reed diffusers, incense cones, candles. So he actually helped us launch this initial product because he was like, hey, I, I could do this all for you, like at my warehouse. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to keep it all kind of in the family, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I I think that's awesome because uh, to to be able to you know have that relationship and just kind of help each other out because uh, you know to to uh, to have a friend do that versus just some like you know other random business. I I always think it's better to to work with people that you know and just kind of help each other grow. Absolutely, and that that's been like the pillar of what has been um, how High Points operated all the way through. Like whether it's like getting uh merchandise designed or getting things printed or like doing stuff in the community we always try to work with people that we know because we feel like that's how you get stronger is is, is through community stuff so mm-hmm. and you know i'm a, i'm very lazy w- with my hair like i got my hair cut maybe like two weeks ago and I normally like I'll like do it for like maybe like because uh, I, I would normally get it cut for like like an occasion right if I'm going to be on camera or if I'm going to like an event and then I'll, I'll I'll do my hair for like that thing and then after that I'm I'm like very lazy so then I'll just like hide it in a beanie or a hat um, yeah but but I do love su- supporting my friends like I, I had the same barber uh, from like 2006 up until like a couple months ago uh, oh wow yeah I'm him and I are, are, are still good friends uh, but he just became too busy because uh, like mm-hmm. out here, he's like a little popular um, in that scene. So I'm like, all right, like I, I can't, uh, well, I, could, I probably could have, but I, I just don't want to wait as long as I had to, to, to get my haircut. So I was like, you know what, let me reach out to um, somebody else um, who I know that does hair uh, that, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I, I, I want to try out because um, the guy that cuts my hair now, my friend Lemus, uh, he's uh, like uh, just getting started. He like just got to this barbershop in Long Beach and he's like uh, newer to the trade. So I'm like, all right, cool. Like, That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I was, uh, you know, getting my haircut from my friend back in 2006 from his garage and able to see him grow to now he's in like a, a legit shop has like, you know, great clientele. So I was like, okay, cool. I, I, I hope he doesn't miss me. I'm, uh, and, <laughs> and you know, I, I know he's doing well business wise. So I, I, let me just step away and let me uh, go support my other friend who's just getting started. And I want to be able to see him grow just like my other friend did. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's dope. I'm sure he's not taking it too personally. Um, you know, as somebody who's like kind of experienced a little bit of that, because like when I first started, like you saw, like I was like, hey, I'll cut anyone's hair anytime, anywhere, any place uh, to now where I'm only actually cutting in the shop like three days a week. Mm-hmm. And my availability doesn't work for all the people I know. And the cool thing and the, one of the coolest things that I've been able to see is when, you know, like say they couldn't get in with me because my schedule is crazy and their schedule is not, not working. They say, well, who, you know, can I sit with? You know, can I get in with Rashad or can I get in with Cody or can I get in with, you know, Chris or Isaac? And I'm looking at all these guys and they're all dudes who, you know, play in hardcore bands or kind of came up in the scene like they were younger than me or people that I met or whatever. And I'm like, you know, I see my clients sitting in their chair and I'm like 
stoked. I'm happy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because, you know, they, they trusted uh, what we built so much that, you know, they would sit with somebody that they didn't really have a relationship with. And, you know, if they're, if, if any barbers working at our shop, they're going to be cutting to a certain standard. So that's great. You know, I don't think that your buddy has taken that one too personally. I know I didn't take it too personally. Okay. Um, and last thing about uh, hair, I- I'm curious, what's the weirdest place you ever had to cut someone's hair? Oh, um, let's see. The weirdest place. Uh, well, the f- this was like a funny situation. Um, so it was the first year that High Point was open. So it would have been 2014. And I was doing a haircut on this kid, Ty. And Ty actually plays guitar in a band called Division of Mind now. Mm-hmm. But at, at the time, he was just a hardcore kid. He was just a younger kid. And, you know, we're, we're buddies, you know. Um, but while I was cutting his hair, the power went out in my shop. And it was like out for a while and it was at a point where like i could not not finish his haircut like it was like there was a hard line on one side of his head that had to be blended out with clippers it wasn't happening with with scissors it had to be you know whatever so i called this other barber shop that's a couple blocks away from us who at the time i was in a pretty good had we had we had a good relationship and i called and said hey do you guys have power and they're like yeah we, we we're good we have power i was like okay cool do you think I could come by and just finish up a haircut real quick? This kid's in my chair. I can't let him leave how he looks. It looks insane. It's fucked up. And and they're like, yeah, yeah, come on over. So I said, Ty, come on, get my car. We're going to drive over. So he keeps the cape on and we get, he gets in my car and we walk into the shop and they're all like, Hey, you know, come on. He gets, you know, he sits in, I finish it up. It takes like 10 minutes. I'm like, thanks guys. Really appreciate it. And they're like, Oh yeah, no problem. We get back in the car and Ty, is like kind of quiet and he's being kind of weird. I'm like, what's up? Like what, you know, what's going on? It's like, yo, that's the shop that I used to go to. I don't, I don't go there anymore because I come to you now. Now I kind of feel weird. I saw my old barber. Oh, wow. I was was like, dude, why didn't you say something? And he's like, I didn't know what to say. (laughs) So that was like, that might not have been the weirdest place, but it was definitely the weirdest situation. Um, but yeah, I've done haircuts all over the place. You know, like, I don't know. Uh, you know, that was probably the took the cake, though. <laughs> yeah, that that's a funny situation. Jeez. Yeah. Oops. Uh, yeah, no, it, that, that, that's a great story. Um, but I, I want to uh, bring it back to the music and ask you about United Blood. Um, yeah. So obviously uh, things didn't work out in 2020 because of the, uh, you know, the pandemic. Uh, I feel like there's only like two hardcore fests that happened that year. Um, but here we are, uh, you know, the end of 2021, 2022 is right around the corner. Uh, do you have any plans to do the fest next year or are you guys still just kind of waiting things out to see um, if you're going to bring it back? Um, we've, we've, suppo- so the fest right now, as it stands is, is myself and Ryan wall, uh, who a lot of people know as braces. We kind of run the fest from the majority and then ace, uh, who sings in, um, MAD and is pretty prominent in booking shows in the Richmond area. He's kind of like, come on, like as like a little bit of an advisor and helps out with social media and stuff over the past couple of years. We've like had supposed to have had like sit down talks and meetings over the past like two months. And it just has, it just hasn't happened. And I think that's a lot of that it has to do with like the current landscape of what life looks like with, you know, Oh, there's a, you know, somebody had a COVID scare, so they're, they're quarantining or it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, 
you know, um, you know, life events, you know, like for me, like getting this new shop opened, you know, it took like almost all of the energy that I had um, outside of what I regularly do. And, you know, Ryan's raising um, three girls uh, and he's dealing with the same life shit that everyone else is. And in fact, probably some more. So we haven't really had this, like the time to sit down and really talk about it, about what we wanted to do or, you know, how we felt or what, you know, what the vibe was. And, you know, on a personal level, you know, I, I started doing United Blood in 2007 and we've done it every year up until 2020. In fact, we were selling tickets for the fest in 2020 and the lineup was, I was so excited about the lineup. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, cold world and war hungry, um, converge. In fact, we had tried to get power trip that year. We had tried to get iron age that year, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and I had like, you know, it was going to be, and they didn't work out, but everyone else that was confirmed and that was going to play in 2020, I was super excited about. And then, you know, obviously everything happened and with the pandemic and whatnot. And, you know, now it's, we, we'd be looking at two years if we were to do it this year, two years since the last one, you know, and uh, part of me feels conflicted. You know, part of me kind of feels like, Oh man, like, do we want to do this anymore? You know, like we've been doing this for a long time, you know, and you take a look at fests and you take a look at like what you've accomplished as a, as a fest and, you know, is there anything that you haven't gotten to do or that you've wanted to do? Or is there any band that you wanted to book that you haven't been able to book? And like, I could, I could almost wholeheartedly say that there is like, I could almost wholeheartedly and stand on it and say, yeah, I can, I'm, I'm back in that, that we've done everything that I've ever wanted to do and beyond like, I never thought Hatebreed would play a fest that I booked. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, I change mentally day by day. You know, one day I'll say, you know what, I'm, I'm good to close the books on it and just, you know, come out and just say, hey, you know what, you know, we're, we're not going to do it again. Um, and then some days I, I feel like I have like almost like a little bit of a FOMO, like, Oh man, are we really going to do that? You know, like this has been such like a big part of our lives and been a big part of many people's lives actually, which is awesome. Um, so the truth of the matter is, I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know if we're going to do it again. You know, it's funny because I, I see like I see fests that get announced, like uh, Bob's Fest in uh, in Florida, mm-hmm. and I'm like, did it? That's a perfect lineup. Like, that's exactly what I would have wanted to do. You know, it's like, it hits, it's, it's great. Like I'm super, I think it's so impressive. It's awesome. So I see that and I'm like, well, what's the point in doing United Blood? Like that's, that's what I would have done. You know, like we're just going to rehash like a different version of something just to do it. You know, like, you know, I I don't want to just like put together a fest and just, you know, say, Hey, here we are, you know, like, I, you know, so and that's for everybody, every, everyone that's doing shows. I'm like, damn, that's really fucking good. Like, damn, that's really fucking good. You know, I don't want to just like throw some shit together just because it's expected, you know, like I want to do something special. I want to try to like bring together people for like something that's unique, but I don't want to try too hard. You know what I mean? Like, that's the worst thing. I think when people try too hard. Uh, so it's a discussion that we need to have undoubtedly, you know, like soon, and, you know, we'll, we'll come to some kind of answer on that, you know. 
<coughs> yeah. No, well, I, I hope you guys are, are able to have those talks because I'm, uh, you know, I've never uh, been to a, a United Blood, but I've always been a fan. Just like watching all the videos online, I, and I am maybe I'm biased because I'm just a big fan of Bad Seed, but I always just loved uh, 2009. I felt like that lineup was cool. But then you, you yeah, mentioned Hatebreed. Cool um, I yeah. felt like Hatebreed was a big deal because I, I, I remember when that announcement came out and just thinking like, holy shit, Hatebreed's playing uh, like a, a actual like hardcore fest, not like some big fest where they're kind of pulling in a couple bands here and there to try to make it a hardcore fest, but like like a legit hardcore fest. So for, for you guys to have yeah. done that, I, I thought was like super cool. Yo, dude, I mean, I was floored. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't even, like, I, I mean, I get goosebumps thinking about it still to this day. Like some of the moments that we're able to take place and the, you know, the bands that we're able to play and like some of the cool shit that I'm like, God damn, that was fucking cool. Um, and it, that's the part of it that like, I think when I think about like, maybe, you know, maybe like ending United Blood, like I go two ways on that. I'm like, oh man, like, what about like continuing that feeling or continuing that thing? And then I, on the other hand, I said, well, I don't want to ruin the reputation and the legacy. Uh, I hate to say the legacy because it's a fucking hardcore fest, you know, but like there's some serious like memory attached to some of those things. And I don't want to just do something just to do it. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, like I said, we'll have we'll have the talk. We'll come to some kind of discussion about it and figure out like how we feel and move forward from there. Yeah, well, I, I feel like I mean, if you go back to uh, the 2020 lineup, I, I felt like uh, you know you guys were spot on because if you look at some of those uh, you know bands at that time that were like uh, like more new uh, up until now, they've had time to develop and grow into some of like the more prominent bands in the scene today. So when, yeah. when, when I look at that, it's like, dude, like that would have been crazy to, to, to see that have gone off just because like when I look at the Friday lineup, you, you have a band from California called Drain. They're like, I think yeah. going crazy, you know, on Epitaph Records playing these like, you know, big shows just, uh, you know, doing the most. And I, I just like think like, yeah, back then th that was before the, the, the record that they have out now. Um, so it's just, yeah, it, yeah. it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it is, man. You, you know, it, it's interesting to think like you go back and look through the United Bloods and see like when bands like what bands like had like that memorable set or maybe like they weren't quite like, you know, where they're at today at that time. Like I always think like of like the, the year that Trapped Under Ice played or like, yeah, that Bad Seed year or mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, there's been a couple other like found foundation um like a uh, champ from foundation has always told me that the, like the one year that they had United blood was like their springboard like that after that, that's when their show started to get big. And I, I don't know that I, I value that. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, I was able to have a, some kind of hand in, in, you know, elevating like, um, you know, the vision for some bands or whatnot. Um, like shit, that power trip set from 2012, I think it was like, that's like, of crazy memorable set. I remember, I remember even seeing like power trip play and being like, Holy shit. And I never would have guessed that they would have went on the trajectory that they did over the next five, six years, like mm -hmm. fucking crazy. So yeah, we've been able to do a lot of really cool stuff. So, you know, fortunate for that. Yeah. But, but I do feel you when it's just like, yeah, you don't want to 
kind of just slap something together just because like you've been doing it, which I, I respect because, you know, some, sometimes I'll look at a lineup and I'm just like, man, that fest sucks. And I'm just like, hey, here's like, like, I, and obviously, uh, you know, there's only so much I can say because like, uh, you know, I'm, it's not my fest. Uh, so I, I just, you know, look at it. I'm like, oh, I, I'm really interested on how that all came together because when I look at the landscape of hardcore, I'm just like, oh, I feel like they could have done a better job, but you know, uh, whatever. It's not my fest, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard, man. I'll say this, like, it's, it's hard to book a fest in 20, the 2020s. I mean, even putting together the lineups through them, like 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, it was like, it, it was difficult because, you know, you get, um, bands need more money to pay to play and you, you operate within a certain budget and, um, you know, you have like touring schedules and lineups and Europe and festivals and in, in Europe and, you know, it gets very, um, I don't want to say competitive, but you have to be very calculated with how you like organize and plan it because, you know, like if you really want to like go back to when it started, it was literally just like going through a list of personal contacts that I had from touring mm -hmm. from years and being like, Hey, uh, Pat, like, do you think have heart would want to play this fest that I'm going to start? And Pat's like, Oh yeah, Foster, I'll do that. You know, that sounds cool, man. And then that was the agreement and that was that, you know? Um, and then, you know, as the years go by, like, it's like, well, you know, this band is, you know, this is what they make now. And you're just like, okay, well, fuck man. If I book them, then I definitely can't book like these other three bands that haven't like blown up yet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's challenging. And, and like, you know, and that's not to take anything away from the, the bigger bands right now that are doing it and, and deserve the money that they make, but it doesn't make it easier for fests, you know. I'm, I'm curious, did you ever have to deal with a radius clause? Because I, I heard that more recently, like I, I was talking to this band and they're like, yeah, uh, we're we're getting flown out. But one of the conditions is like, like we're like on a radius clause we can't play anywhere else and i i thought that was really interesting in, in terms of a hardcore festival because I, I obviously like i hear it for like bigger acts whatever but i i didn't really think it was like that um big of a deal when, when it came to to hardcore yeah that's definitely something that's popped a little bit more in the past couple of years especially with a lot of hardcore bands doing more like metal tours mm -hmm. um i know that there's radius well, quote unquote radius clauses um for that kind of stuff but like i believe like pr some promoters do that like like if if united blood was promoting and you know we wanted to book you know turnstile or something and and we said okay turnstile like we're gonna pay you blank money but you can't play within a 200 mile radius within 30 days like that that's a thing that's happening for sure mm -hmm. um not saying that that's actually happened with turnstile i was just making an example yeah um you know, I don't think that we've ever done that. I think like most of the dealings that we've had were just kind of like understood, like, Hey, like if you're playing in Richmond at United blood, like you should probably not play DC like the week before, <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm. I don't know, but maybe I'm wrong. There might've been some clause I don't know about. Yeah. It's just interesting to me. Cause I'm like, okay, if this band's getting flown out, um, I, I just felt I, I, I'm just really curious as to why they wouldn't want them to to play more places because um, and, and this is like, uh, you know, uh, maybe I'm speaking too much. Uh, this is not, <laughs> not like this isn't like the neighboring scene. This is just like maybe let's just say like the neighboring state. I'm just like, oh, really? Right. They, they, they don't want them to to to, to travel to like California. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's 
there's a lot of people involved in um in booking shows nowadays man it's not just it's not just the promoter and the band and mm-hmm. people um that manage bands and and kind of like try to forecast like how things are going to go for bands to help bands like get to wherever they want to be like a lot of times they have a plan and they have a, a vision in mind and it's a little bit beyond my pay scale when it comes to booking so i don't even really know about it but yeah <laughs> yeah no no i i, I get it because like i i have friends and bands who i've known when they were just you know just a hardcore band but then now they have like an agent there's uh managers and i'm just like geez i don't even want to get involved because you know i i I, like i'm happy for them but to me it's just like oh that is a little strange but you know yeah it's it's the way the world though man that's how it is okay and i'm I'm curious like uh, are are you still pretty uh, tapped in with the the local scene uh, are, are you like aware of like, you know, like what's going on with like some newer bands? I try to be. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I, I think for the most part I am. I mean, I'll be honest. I've, I've since, uh, since shows started happening, like post COVID era, I, I think I've, I've probably been to like less than 10 live music events, mm-hmm. you know, in the past year and a half. Um, and part of that is just, um, I don't really know why I'm not really sure why, you know, um, I try to stay as like connected as I can, but like it's, it is a little bit difficult for me. Like I really have to make like a fucking concerted effort to like check out new, new music and new bands, um, live that is Mm -hmm. like, I could listen to someone's like EP or whatever. Like we'll listen to, we listen to a lot of hardcore at the barbershop. So that's not uncommon at all. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, um, but you know, it's tough dude. like, especially recently, just like in the, the landscape of what, what the world is like in 2020 and 2021, like, you know, like the, sometimes the idea of like being in a room with like a hundred people, I don't know, like doesn't necessarily feel like the best thing for me to do right now. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I just don't want to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a challenge, but you know, I, I don't want to sound like some jaded dude who's like only listening to the breakdown demo or something like, yeah, I'll like check out new shit if it's cool. You know, I have some friends that play in a newer band from R- Richmond. They're called uh, no other way. They're like a vegan straight edge band. I've seen the name, but I haven't heard them or checked them out. Okay. Yeah. If you get a chance, that's cool though. Yeah. If you get a chance, yeah. check them out. They're, they're, they're doing cool stuff and they're, uh, you know, very proud for, uh, to be from R- Richmond and very proud to be vegan and straight edge. That's cool, man. I, I fuck with that for sure. I mean, that's not to say that I won't like roll to a show. In fact, I'm actually fucking missing a show tonight um, that I feel terrible about missing. But I literally like I'm my my body is like physically wrecked from like the last couple of days of work. Yeah. Like um, this is like the busiest time of year in the barbershop industry. So we're just like fucking slammed and. um I just like the, the idea, the thought of going to the show tonight was like causing me like mental anxiety. And I was like, I just need to go take a shower and go home. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I would try to get out to as many as I can. But that being said, Take Offense is playing in Richmond tonight and I can't believe I'm not there. But that's I crazy. Just, I'm just exhausted. But Anthony uh, AH did come in to get a haircut, which was cool. So I did get to see him. Did see him there. But, Okay. Yeah, I got this. I actually, the whole band came by the barbershop, so I got to see them. So. That's awesome. Shout out, take offense. Yeah. Shout out, uh, T- San oh, Diego. One of the one of the best that do it. Chula Vista Hardcore. I mean, 
I can't say that I've seen take offense so many fucking times and I, their show tonight will do really well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's at like, it's at like a bike lot. So it's, it's a little bit outside of the city. It's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a hike, but they're playing with enforced tonight and, uh, that show will do really well. So I'm sure they're fucking having a great time out there. Hmm, For sure. Uh, one question I get a lot is, uh, it's like, Hey, have you heard anything about, uh, down to nothing? Yeah. do you know what's going on with them because uh, you know i feel like it's been quiet in, in their camp and obviously like a lot of people a lot of bands that uh, you know, haven't gotten out there yet but i was curious uh, uh have you heard anything do you know anything yeah uh i mean i don't want to speak for him um but i i could tell you that like you know daniel the drummer is an emergency room doctor mm-hmm. um and it's his wife was a doctor in pediatrics as well um they have like four kids uh Two of them were just born. They had toddlers. Um, they had a hell of a two years, you know, working crazy hours and stuff. And um, and like Jared, the uh, my homie who plays bass for them, um, he he actually spends a lot of time in California working um, in the forestry services, and, like the the fire division. Mm-hmm. So like he works for like a couple months at a time with like barely any cell service. So. I mean, um, I think down to nothing just kind of, I, I don't want to say it ran its course. That's not what I mean. I think they maybe just were like, yeah, I think we're like done playing shows for a while. I don't know if they'll ever, ever play again, truthfully. I'm not sure. Interesting. Okay. But, yeah. but, but it is cool to see other bands. Like I, I know Division of Mine, uh, they have like that Texas run coming up. Um, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, which is nice. So, so it's cool to see that there's, you know, um, you know, Richmond's still out there doing stuff. And I, I saw uh, MAD recently at the, you know, SWB Fest, which was cool. And that, that was my first time seeing them live. So, yeah. yeah. And then there's a downfall from Richmond is, is uh, they've kind of stayed steady on the track of like putting, putting new shit out and, and staying relevant and playing shows. I mean, Richmond is the type that, I mean, it's just like, it's like kind of Wilkes-Barre. Like there's always going to be like some new bands kind of popping up because the scene is like so rich, you know what I mean? It's just like, there's a lot of history in Richmond hardcore that goes back into the eighties even. Um, You know, I don't know if Wilkes-Barre can kind of take it back that far with like relevant bands, but I think that just inherently because of the scene and uh, because of like the people that are involved in putting together the shows and, and doing bands, like there's always going to be some new bands that pop up and every now and then one of them is going to like kind of catch and, and like get like popular outside of Richmond. Like I think you saw that with like, you know, before like division of mind and between them, DTM would be like, like a naysayer mm-hmm. or like a, like brace war even, you know? Um, and uh like that just kind of continuously happens like on a cycle. Now you have like um, division of mind and then like, you know, like a nosebleed. Um, There's just kind of going to be good bands coming out of Richmond in waves all the time. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. You know, one band that I always ask people about, uh, and and this is like, probably like, uh, you know, like mid two thousands, there was a band from Richmond. They're like a, a Christian hardcore band called a 1033. I, I, I don't know if you're ever f- familiar with them. A, a little bit familiar with them. Yeah, actually. Um, I knew a couple of the guys that were in that band. I, I couldn't really tell you anything about like what they sounded like or anything like mm-hmm. that, but like I, I knew some of the people they played some shows and stuff. 
Yeah, I, um, I, I was always curious about like what happened to them because um out here like you know Christian hardcore was like they're like this crazy wave uh, you know with like uh, face down records and uh, so like you know bands like that would make it out here just because uh, that uh, and I say that type of hardcore it was just hardcore but it was just like you know Christian dudes but uh, I, I I really enjoyed that band so I, I, like anytime I ever talk to anybody from Richmond I, I was uh, I have to bring them up because I I thought they were an awesome band. Yeah. Uh... I could tell you that 1033 definitely played a show somewhere out West on that blacklisted cast aside down to nothing tour. Like they were on tour at that same time and they just like were playing the show that we played. Um, I could also say that um, that job that I had that I sold cell phones, the drummer of 1033 also sold cell phones with me at that same company. Mm -hmm. So like we could, yeah, and I still see him around town and stuff. Uh, but as far as like what the band ever ended up doing, I have no idea. I think the singer is actually like a minister. Like I think he's still like pretty actively involved in like like faith based stuff. So mm -hmm. and uh, I think I see him around every now and then. So but musically, I have no idea if they ever did anything else or not. That's crazy. I if I saw them around town, I wouldn't even know what they look like. I, I just uh, <laughs> I just listen to the music. But that's crazy. Uh, what was it? Yeah. What was it like trying to sell or sell cell phones back in the day? Because it's not like what it is today. No, it was fucking stupid. It was like, um, so it was before like the iPhone existed. Okay. Like that, you know. So it was just like the dumbest shit selling the worst things to people to make money like i worked for a retailer so it was like it wasn't it was like an authorized reseller you know mm -hmm. what i mean so and uh it was like it was all like you ever see that movie boiler room no um, I'm, I'm not familiar it's like, like it was just like just non-stop trying to hustle people to buy cheap shit so you could make the most money you can that was basically what selling cell phones was okay um so it wasn't like a job that I'm necessarily like proud of that I had because it was like, it sucked kind of, but, um, we were like pretty grossly overpaid for doing like pretty average work, That's <laughs> but, crazy. you know, I wore a shirt and tie and worked in a mall and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But, and then, um, smartphones came out and like the, everyone wanted an iPhone and, and those companies can no longer make like really good money off of iPhones. So mm -hmm. then it just kind of went to shit sort of. So. Fortunately, I had quit doing that. Um, like I, I went full time into barbering like around that time. So mm. I didn't really have to, to deal with it that much, but it was just like a sales job. You know what I mean? It was like somebody would come in and be like, yeah, I want to get a phone that could send text messages. And I'd be like, okay, I got you. You know, and like that yeah. was it, you know, like it was a different time altogether. Yeah, it's, it's wild because you think about where smartphones uh, are now, because the first cell phone that I've ever um, owned, I, I got when I was like, I think like 18 or 19, I had got a Sidekick 3. That, that was the, the first phone that I, I'd ever got because my parents didn't want me to have a phone when I was a, a, like a, a like a young teenager. So they're like, all right, like, get a job, uh, go get it on your own. So, uh, yeah. So I was able to get one when I was uh, you know, that age, and then yeah, to, to you know to have a Sidekick three for my first phone, and then you know fast forward to now to see how things are just like way different, and uh, you know I, I feel like I, I annoy my friends by wanting to talk on the phone, I, you know, because everybody just wants to text or you know to talk on social media, but it's like oh sometimes I just like to you know uh, check up on people and see how they're oh, doing. Yeah, yeah, same here. I love FaceTiming with people. I like to see people. Um, yeah, no, it's a it's a crazy thing, man. I was joking around today about my first smartphone. It was this thing called a Motorola Q, and like, 
I don't even know if it could get on the internet. So I don't know how, I think it got email and that's what was making it a smartphone. Okay. Um, but it was like, it was a brick in my pocket. Like there was absolutely no reason for me to have that at the age of 21. I was just like, Oh, I got, I got a smartphone. Like I'm cool. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. And then like, then like when we worked at Verizon, we all had like these palm pilots. Do you remember those? Yeah, I, I do. With like, it had like a stylus, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like we all had them for no reason at all. That phone was like made for like, at the time it was made for like people that had like crazy like work calendars and schedules and they used their stylus to like create events and stuff. And all of my friends were just like using our stylus to send like text that said like 6969 and then send it or something stupid. Mm -hmm. It was just, uh, that phone didn't even have a fucking camera on it. I don't think so. Yeah. Shit's changed a lot. I'm glad that I stopped selling cell phones. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I'm I'm happy that you you're uh, you know brave enough to you know quit that job and do something that you actually wanted to do because uh, that, yeah. that that can be hard for a lot of people. And I'm happy to see uh, you know you be successful at it. No, I appreciate it, man. It was a little bit of a leap, but uh, you know it was I, again. I had the right people around me, and I, I had the, a bit of a vision. You know what I mean? I had like a, a bit of a vision for what could come from that, and I mean. The vision isn't what it is now. It, it was. It's a much grander version, but um, you know, there was a vision, so it was cool to carry out some aspect of it. Okay. And last thing, I, I'm curious, what's it like being a Phillies sports fan in Richmond? Oh, um, it's not bad. Okay. Um, because everyone down here is just so used to like being a loser, so they don't have like. Um, like, like, especially like football, like Washington football fans are just kind of like, oh yeah, we suck. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it, it's not like living in a town that has like a rich history of being successful. Okay. So like, no, no one is very combative with me. <laughs> so like, and, and there's a, Richmond is a lot of implants. There's a lot of people like me that are from other places that moved here. So for as many like loyal, like Washington football fans there are, there's just as many like uh, Dallas Cowboy or or like random fans that live here. It's actually pretty fun. And in fact, there are a lot of Philly sports fans here for some reason. Like if I like wear like a Jersey out and about, like I'm guaranteed somebody will definitely like holler, like go birds at me or something. Or, mm -hmm. um, but Richmond is an interesting town because like the closest city to sports that has like national sports is DC, which is two hours away. So I don't think that there's like a really strong, connection to a lot of professional sports teams in the city because there are no um you know pro sports i think if anything there's a stronger connection to like college basketball here mm -hmm. because there's there's two like pretty prominent basketball universities here there's uh virginia commonwealth university which is vcu and then there's the university of richmond and like vcu has made some like runs into like the final four and march madness and stuff so you know, people are really passionate VCU fans and there's some very passionate U of R fans, but like, as for like professional sports, like no one really gives me shit. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I could, I could like walk around every day in like a full Philadelphia sports uniform and like no one would bother me. <laughs> so I just think that's because like, it's a mixture of them being beat down by being mediocre and then not, um, really having like any like real ties to a team you know for sure okay well damn what? it's it's cool <laughs> well 
I appreciate you taking the time to, to do this, but before we uh, sign off, is there anything else you would like to say or shout out? Oh man. Um, no, I will say this. Like I just, uh, today they announced that cold world war hungry, those two shows in New York city in February. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty excited to go up for that. Um, see my buddy, Dan, who's been living in England. Um, I haven't seen him in a couple of years. Um, uh, but yeah, no, as, as always, like as far as like shout outs go, like, you know, I'm Wilkes-Barre. Um, great. It's a great, I, for whatever I may have said earlier in the podcast about it being like a dark, shitty place, there's great people there. And there's, there's a reason why great things come from that place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and I feel the same way about Richmond too. I don't think Richmond is a shitty place. Obviously I live here, but you know, there's a reason why great bands consistently come out of Richmond is it's a something in the water effect. And it's the same thing in, in Wilkes-Barre. It's just like the right people, the right things get into the right hands of the right people. And then greatness comes from it. Um, and that's like, I've felt that way about bands from Wilkes-Barre. I continue to feel that way about bands from Wilkes-Barre. Um, and I continue to feel that way about, you know, things from here as well. Um, and that could be said for other places too, like the San Fernando Valley with the young brothers and like, god's hate and stuff like that i mean every time they put something out i'm like god how do they do this like this is sick Mm -hmm. um you know sometimes you just the right people do the right things it's cool so but as forever you know shout out wilkes bear all right well seriously i i thank you for taking the time to do this it definitely means a lot to me to be able to talk to somebody uh you know from wilkes and i i really appreciate it thank you for everybody for tuning in and we'll be back soon